0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: It's a beautiful.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman. My father, Mike Golick Sr., who proudly walked into our work this morning. I almost called it a studio. We're in different buildings. But proudly walked into our meeting this morning and just proclaimed, I'm him. Dad, why are you him? <coughs>
1: um, I, I just read it somewhere. I forgot who said it. Oh, I, I think I think it, it was a, I had just watched the um the podcast where Colin Anthony towns basically said you know <laughs> he changed the game of basketball I you know it was just it had just I know we're gonna get into that i it had just come off of that and I thought of the old I am him saying and that's what I thought of it had nothing to do with me uh by any chance uh, uh I was too busy watching the US open where a lot of guys were him yesterday that was I was so bummed out at what went on in that golf course. I know you were there, so I want to hear how your experience was.
0: Yeah, we got plenty to get into, man. You can apparently just say anything into a microphone and people are forced to listen to it, Uh, which is what we do here every day. We got a great show for you. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and live here on DraftKingsNetwork.com and Samsung TV Plus, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, We are going to get into a championship celebration and a parade that may have actually unlocked the NBA's worst nightmare. What went down in CONCACAF last night, a little bit of USA arse kicking. And uh, of course, though, Dad, what we had at the U.S. Open yesterday. You mentioned it. Golf is so interesting because the course is, in its own way, the opponent, right? Technically, these golfers are absolutely competing against each other, but the course is the thing that you're up against. It's what each guy is individually trying to battle against. And yesterday we had, by pretty much whatever metric you want, the easiest opening round of a U.S. Open in the tournament's modern history here. Ricky Fowler, for about a half hour, stood alone setting a U.S. Open record shooting a low round 62 before Xander Shoffley just joined him atop that dad. In the lead up to this, Since 1983, there had been 6,648 rounds played in U.S. Opens, and one 62 had been shot. You had two yesterday. It was absolutely insane. And, Dad, I know you were among the chorus of a lot of people that were upset at how easy this golf course played. You know, and it's amazing, and there's part of me that feels bad because you. We sit
1: here and watch sports. When we watch a football game, we want to see great play. A basketball game, great play. Hockey, great play. Tennis, you want to see spectacular play. And I'd imagine a lot of people want to see great play in golf, but it's the one sport where I sit there in these, like the U.S., especially the U.S. Open and the British, well, the Open, I should say, the U.S. Open and the Open, where in the Open I want to see wind and rain. You know, on, on whatever course the the Open is being played on, U.S. Open, I want to I want to hear how tough the rough is, uh, like we supposedly heard for this one, and I want to see all these players brought down to our level. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I may, I feel bad, maybe doing that, wishing bad play. You know, you saw some, you saw some. You know, hit it from one rough to another rough, but we had fifty six players shoot even or better two hole-in-ones as well. I mean, and and the weather, whatever the marine layer, as, as the broadcast kept talking about the marine layer, I, I, how many people had to Google that to figure out what the hell marine layer was? But whatever it was, it, it added, you know, as part of the weather that added to, what this round was going to be and for players to take advantage of it because we know pin placement, wind, all that is going to change over the next few days, and maybe this course will become a little
0: bit harder than it was yesterday. You know what? In, like, the cross-sport comparison, I think people's frustration, like – This is golf's U.S. national championship, right? So we want to put on a good face for this. Los Angeles hasn't hosted the U.S. Open in 75 years, and so I'm sure there's some sensitivity there. But in general, this is supposed to be one of the big bads, like you said. And when you roll out and all of a sudden, you know, honestly, to make it personal, you get the Alabama-Notre Dame 2012 national championship or the TCU-Georgia national championship from this last year in this opening round where – Oh, I was expecting some resistance here, and instead these guys go out here and get to absolutely treat this like it's pre-practice warm-up. There is a little bit of disappointment that's understandable there, even if it does feel kind of sadistic that we all want to see these dudes just miserable out there on the course. Dad, as far as the marine layer stuff, I felt like Los Angeles Brandon Newman was probably tingling hearing all of this very hyper-local discussion of LA weather patterns and how the marine layer was affecting the course and how badly they just need the sun to come out Friday, Saturday, Sunday to try and actually harden things down. Brandon, outside of discussing traffic, this had to be something that excited you more than anything golf could provide. The fact that the US Open
1: brought June gloom in LA to the forefront for all Americans, just saying to my heart, Mike, I know this year June gloom hit soon. As soon as June hit, I think it was June 3rd where that the uh the perma cloud that we're used to at South Bend yeah. makes his way to uh to LA and just makes the conditions terrible for going out to the beach, but obviously easier for pro golfers.
0: Yeah. That's the one thing I could say is being there. So I got to go there yesterday and walk the course a little bit, check out the events. You could see number one, like I know it played easy yesterday. Super wide open course. They talked about how wide the fairways are. You've got a lot of space to operate. But man, what a long course. Walking along some of the holes trying to check out some of those groups, you know, followed around Rory and Brooks's group for a little bit you're gonna get your steps in so there's definitely no struggle for length here but like you said with how well the weather was because it was a great day like for me I'm a big fat sweater and so the crowd co- cloud cover we had and a little bit of a breeze was music to my ears. I was loving it apparently so were the golfers but uh it, it did make for very understandably good circumstance because it was great for us watching which meant it was even better for those guys playing
1: yeah no no heat and humidity by the way. <clears throat> A marine layer is an air mass that develops over the surface of a large body of water in the presence of a temperature inversion, the inversion itself usually initiated by the cooling effect of the water on the surface layer of an otherwise warm air mass. See, this is one of those things where you read the definition and I'm even more confused. I don't, I don't know what any of that means, but that term kept getting brought up and and i swear i still thought it was going to be hard because as i mentioned you had a 628 yard hole you had a 254 yard par 3 which by the way guys were using irons to reach and they said over the weekend or the next few days this could be as long as a 290 yard par 3 or as short as a 220 yard par 3. but as you mentioned the fairways were open so hit him you got a good approach if you got into the rough, you were in a lot of trouble because you guys saw uh, people getting into some horrific rough and they'd try and hit out of it and they'd hit it about 10 feet and land and se- same said rough. So that was that was stuff I was sitting there watching and going, yeah, now you look like us. Feeling bad as I'm wishing bad upon others, uh, but, but seeing some of the play was incredible. Nobody, nobody expected eight under, especially by two players after round one. So let's see where this thing goes. Let's see if the course gets tougher or if this is going to be, you know, a U.S. Open open scoring for the ages event.
0: Yeah, I saw Michael Eaves on SportsCenter last night saying that he anticipates and has heard rumblings that the yardages could get messed with, that certainly pin placement is going to get played with. But, Dad, overall being there yesterday, I don't know how many golf events that you've been to. This is the third one that I've gone to. The – You know, the second one that's not the waste management open, so a little bit of a different animal, but not all that much. Like watching golf live is so fascinating to me from a spectator standpoint because it forces you to make a choice. If you actually want to watch a lot of golf and actually see a bunch of stuff, you're probably going to have to follow a group around so you can see every shot and actually get a sense for the round and how the course is playing it forces you to choose between either being an endurance athlete to do that and actually consume the sport that way, Or you get to treat it like a festival where you just park yourself on one hole, go and grab a bunch of beers. I saw a dude passed out by the second green on the ground, taking a load off and closing his eyes. The rest of it can operate like a festival. It's incredible. No other sport, I feel like, really asks you to make that choice in the same way. Like You can get the same sort of festival feel going and pumping beers and food at a baseball game or a football game, but you don't have to log. Like I got my 10,000 steps in easy yesterday trying to move around the course and I didn't follow a group half as dutifully as some of these other fans did it's insane
1: so I was just going to say what what did you choose because I've been to a couple and for the most part now there, there are three options if you have a tent available to you through a company you know where you can just sit in there and booze it up and just and just watch but as far as walking around the course or staying in one spot I actually stayed in in one spot and kind of watch because the walking seemed daunting to me but you know staying in one spot you're going to get to see more golfers but you're going to get them all, all all hitting the same shot as opposed to walking around where now you're going to see basically three golfers hitting different shots so it, you're right it's pick your poison what poison did you pick or did you kind of mix and match
0: uh, I, I, like a like a young college kid who doesn't know how to drink yet. I mixed a little bit of everything in there, and so was uh was in a little tent. They call it a chalet, which is really fancy, and made me feel very bougie. But you're right. You only got we got a sliver in the middle of the 18th fairway, so we saw part of one shot and then nothing else. So I really felt like I had no idea what was going on. Then we walked for a little bit, and it was cool to see you know Brooks Kepka and Rory tee off and the simmering resentment. In on that T-Box. But then once they teed off, it's like, all right, well I didn't know what happened at the rest of that hole. And unless I wanted to be like a real baseball fan and put that little radio in my ear, I wasn't really gonna have a sense for what was going on because the cell service was also trash out there. So it's a really unique experience. And the bottom line is it all exists like everything else to sell merch. And if you were watching on YouTube or DraftKings TV, you know, I gave in quickly. This place just has people walking around, ready to model golf stuff for everyone else to try and drive you back to that merch shop and dear god la country club i had not been before but now everyone is going to think that i am basically a member there after the fact so thank you for that and good luck trying to make these golfers miserable for the rest of the weekend Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is gonna benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com/gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com/gojo code 25gojo. Dad, a little bit of minor breaking news here from ESPN's NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski: Michael Jordan finalizing the sale of the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rich, uh, Rick Snall ending his 13-year run as the majority owner. Now, he already had sold off some of his ownership stake back in 2020 and is expected to still keep a small bit of ownership stake and presence around the team, but uh, more or less, Dad, Michael Jordan ending his tenure as the Charlotte Hornets owner and running from the grind right now. He saw LeBron James coming, talking about his Vegas team and didn't want a part of that head-to-head competition, and it's sad to see for one of our all-time greats.
1: Joka, stop! I listen. How about how about the the ROI on this? In 2010, he bought the majority uh, um, stake in the franchise for 275 million dollars, and then, as you mentioned, sold off uh, a part of it in 20, and then sold the rest of it. Now, I, I think I remember back uh, when this was going on that it's going to be about 1.3 billion or in that area. There, I mean, that, that's pretty good return you know, for a guy that's already a billionaire and making a godload uh, of money from Nike every year still. uh, You know, we, we find out that owners in professional sports do very, very well in making money on their investment.
0: Yeah, no, and Michael Jordan is no exception. He uh, became management swiftly, and I remember reading Wright Thompson wrote a piece on Michael Jordan and kind of how this was difficult because he had not succeeded as a, you know a person in charge of a team the way he did as a player, and for a guy who so feverishly hunts competition falling short in the ways he had, had to really eat at him. And so I'd imagine at some point it's, all right, this hasn't gone well enough for so long, even having an exciting player like LaMelo Ball on the team that, man, if I can cash in like this right now and stop making myself miserable with this, I might as well.
1: Well, him, him not doing well from the ownership management side, that, that cost the friendship with him and Charles Barkley. They were, they were tight. Yeah. You know, on the dream team together and such. And Barkley, who is Barkley is going to say what Barkley wants to say, criticized Jordan and rightfully so. I mean, Michael Jordan, the the GOAT player, but as owner and management, he did not do a great job. And when Barkley criticized him for that, uh, that was kind of the end of the relationship. You know, where Jordan was mad at him, didn't talk to him anymore. And when Barkley gets asked about it, you know, are they ever going to reconcile? Barkley says, Jordan's got my number. You know, like you know, listen. I I just spoke my truth. I, if he wants to, you know, get back, you know, to our friendship, you know, he can call me. So it's a shame that such a such a great friendship of great players, you know, what was was you know cast aside by really Barkley being right because Michael Jordan was not, you know, as far as the you know picking the talent and putting teams together when when he was part of that, he didn't do a great job of that. I mean, the the, the proof is right there. So, I mean, it's not like you can, you can just sugarcoat it and say, well, he's a great basketball player, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He did a great job. He didn't. He didn't. You know, and Barkley, you know, said that, and, and two guys that were great contemporaries, you know, no longer really talk.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally different skill set, so we shouldn't act overly surprised that you just couldn't will your way through being a great executive. It does bring up the LeBron James and Michael Jordan conversation, though, because we've heard LeBron openly thirsting for being a part of ownership with the team in Las Vegas. He makes no bones about that, basically publicly pointing at Adam Silver and saying, I got dibs on all of this. And the easy joke is there to make that LeBron's been GMing and acquiring talent for his entire career, more or less. And so he might be a little bit more suited walking into this next phase of his career the way we've seen other former players in different sports be successful, but it's by no means the same skill set being applied one-to-one.
1: Not even close. Not even close. We and, and it goes from management and ownership to coaching. We rarely see all-time great players become great coaches. You can count that on one hand. It's mostly the Midland players who had to know so much more of the game you know, that become the better coaches. And one other thing we're going to say is if Michael or if uh, LeBron James get in, gets into majority ownership, he's going to pay a hell of a lot more than Michael Jordan did back in 2010 for majority ownership of a team, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just like that's also the other thing that we have to come to terms with is LeBron is not going to be the majority owner of whatever team that he's a part of, right? Like this is going to much closer mimic what might we've seen Tom Brady in Las Vegas doing with, you know, the Aces there and now with the Raiders there because you're right, that's the reason we had the NBA open up its doors to the potential for things like foreign sovereign investment funds to come in and pump money in this team because the valuations are just too big for most people to get involved in without being a part of a group or without it just being some sort of minority stake. Like, yeah, LeBron James is pretty much a billionaire now as a player because of everything he's done off the field, but that's a lot different than some of the long money and some of the old money or some of the tech money that we see flood its way into the space now.
1: So so you wonder if you have a minority ownership, will you be able to run the team? You know, there's being a GM where that is your job. Are you going to be a minor, minor, minority owner and GM or sit right above the GM. I mean, Jordan was the majority owner of this. Tom Brady isn't going to be making decisions, you know, for the the partial teams he owns, even the Raiders. It's not like, you know, he's going to be doing the draft picks for them. So you'll wonder when LeBron gets into this, because he definitely will, what kind of how will he work it as to will he actually have or will he actually want power to – Manipulate rosters and thing like things like that. Will he want to even do that, or will he want to just kind of be an owner, be that, be, and and with that, even a minority owner, kind of like Magic Johnson was with the Dodgers, certainly uh, with the Lakers as well. You're kind of that face, right? You know, you're, you're you're the face of that program. So it'd be interesting if LeBron wants to do or wants to have the responsibility to make uh, personnel decisions.
0: I just need, whenever LeBron transitions into this, for it to go well enough to coax Jordan back in. Because I feel like if LeBron does well publicly and is the face of something that goes very well, Michael's not gonna be able to help himself, right? Like both of these guys, hyper aware of the constant comparison between the two. We obviously never got to explore that as a player, but I'd have to imagine Michael, as proud as he is for what you just mentioned, ended a friendship with Charles Barkley over this petty disagreement, would look at a situation where he saw LeBron getting all this credit in public and would not be able to stand for that.
1: I think it'd go two ways. He'll either just say, I've had my time, I've done my thing, I'm good, or it would be if LeBron is successful. If LeBron comes in and his team and he's making decisions and he's really successful, that might churn the Jordan you know, gut a little bit to say, okay, I need to go prove something here. We'll, We'll see, I doubt it, but you never know.
0: You know what? That would be interesting if it sparked that kind of change, but let's take a look. We had the Denver Nuggets parade yesterday and other NBA news, and I think it may have sparked an even more deadly outcome for NBA fans. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIN. Only on the DK Horse app. Dad, we had a couple of nice championship celebrations of sorts yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs got their rings at their private ring ceremony, the second Super Bowl ring they've gotten now. And it's always fun seeing ring innovation over the years. I always feel bad for the guys from some of the original Super Bowls when they put up the graphics that show every ring throughout the years and you watch what was basically either one stone or a nice bit of metalwork and something simple now give way to 613 diamonds inside of a ring that can pop its lid off and reveal a stadium and a bunch of messages and probably a live Jumbotron at some point. It's insane insane
1: it's always amazing too down the line with these rings of today the player that will hold on to it who doesn't lose all their money and the player that ends up having to auction it off because they've lost all their money to see how much money they can get for it but also to your point about years ago at least years ago you could actually wear the ring in public and not worry about getting mugged right or you could actually have it on your hand without weighing your hand down. You you almost, like, can't wear this ring just out, you know, just out socially anywhere because it's so I gaudy. Mean- it looks uh can you i mean you're gonna go to the club and wear that ring wear
0: a ring out socially is my question like you're gonna bring it out for events you're gonna wear it at the super bowl you're gonna wear it when you're getting paid so people remember oh you're important and this is why they had to pay you about 20 grand extra to come do this appearance
1: i guess my point is with the old time rings you could wear those anytime there are guys that wear rings out that will wear a ring and you could wear one of those rings. Now, they given the choice, they'd probably want the one that's way more expensive, but I, I guess that's my point. Those rings you could wear out every day if you're just kind of going out. You know, you can't wear these rings today unless it is to a special event, you know, where you're gonna be separate from a crowd. I mean, could you, ma- could you imagine just walking through the club in, in in with one of these rings on? I mean, you ain't leaving with it. I mean, it'd be brutal. I mean-
0: If you walk around with one of these rings on for too long, you're going to end up like a tennis player with one jacked forearm and one little noodle arm based on the load you're lugging around here. Honestly, they're problems I would love to have. I've always told the story. The cruelest thing that ever happened was when we were getting ready to play the national championship against Alabama. This was not a motivation tactic, I think, but it worked as one. It was presented to us as a logistic thing there was a possibility going into that game as much as the rest of the country didn't believe that we were going to win and be national champions. And so they brought a senior leadership group together to show us the mock-ups of what the rings might look like. They had a couple of different options and they wanted to give us input because if they were going to make them, they had to kind of get started now. At least that's how it's positioned. And they showed us pictures of what our national championship rings would have looked like. And I was in that room almost blind with the excitement. I immediately walked out of that room went down to the weight room started lifting more it's as motivated as i had ever been in my life and dad i could say assuredly i'd have figured out spots to wear it in i'd have figured out places that i could have made and created time to wear that thing in because i have never loved anything more in my life than i loved the images of that ring on screen in front of me and now it haunts me every day like the specter of a lost love
1: oh i i i I bet it does was the ring? What, was it a gaudy ring? I, I don't remember. You know, I never saw pictures of it. You guys did of what the mock-up was. Was it like – it, it couldn't It couldn't be like a Super Bowl ring. Colleges aren't going to spend that kind of money on it. So compare
0: it to, you know, the rings we see today. Yeah, I mean, it was it – was, I mean, she was a beaut, let me tell you. I yeah. just – <laughs> Be, big, a big old fatty, and it wasn't like the Super Bowl rings because you don't have all of the like ornate drawings in the middle. But there was like the ND logo with green backlit and still a ton of diamonds around it. Basically, just picture all of the championship rings you've seen for Alabama over the years, but swap an ND instead of that big A that we've seen forever and ever. World without ND men. So yeah, no, she was perfect. Ugh. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you so much. I'm sorry. We'll my, you the, it we'll was me, you not you like yeah. Yeah, it it was me. It was my fault. I made mistakes. I wasn't the man I needed to be. You were perfect. You did nothing wrong. This was not your fault at all. I want to apologize. You should be here with me, and instead, now you're on some flash drive probably in the basement or a trash can somewhere in the Goog Athletic Complex. I'm so, so sorry, babe. So uh, I'm going to try and turn away from that pain and congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs on what they accomplished there. A little bit of low-grade shade from Patrick Mahomes. Jamar Chase back in the day got out asked if Mahomes was the best quarterback in the NFL and he said pat who to which Mahomes with two rings on his fist responded on Twitter with a picture that said that's who with two ring emojis we love a good bit of shade amongst AFC uh, rivals that are budding right now between Kansas City and Cincinnati but dad the real show yesterday was the Denver Nuggets parade and I think we may have unlocked something Something that should make the rest of the NBA very, very afraid. Because remember in the lead up, we had all of the sound of Nikola Jokic in the post-game podium after, saying, I need to go home. When is the parade? Oh, that's not good. I need to get back home all of the hand-wringing that I saw people going, saying, Jokic should be more excited, and he's a steward of the NBA, and yada, yada, yada. This was Nikola Jokic, now in the middle of the parade at the podium yesterday, with a very different tune he was singing.
1: Thank you, thank you, though. Uh, you know that I, I told that uh, I don't wanna stay on parade, but I want to stay on parade. This is the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is amazing. This is, uh, we all gonna remember this, the, our whole lives, and, uh, and when we see you guys that, uh, came out on the streets, and, uh, actually, this one is for you. We
0: love you, Denver. This one is for you. Thank you, guys. Dad, he looked the kind of happy you can't fake, which leads me to wonder this do we think Nikola Jokic understood what this victory parade actually was? Because we know the guy doesn't watch basketball when he's done playing, so chances are he's never seen the championship parade of any of these other NBA teams. He just goes and hangs out and gets drunk with the horses. So there's a chance he did not know that this was a giant party where he could get lit up with his friends.
1: Yeah, it it seems like that, that while I would say most, the majority of athletes have seen, if they haven't, been involved in one, have seen tape of a championship, whether it's in their sport or a different sport in those cities and how they go. Uh, But but again, seeing it and
0: living in it and being involved in it are two different things. And I think you could- But do you think he's ever seen one? Like, do you think that guy's ever actually watched another team's championship parade? I doubt it. I,
1: I don't know if he's watched it. Maybe he saw highlights of it, you know, on TV. Maybe not, you know. I don't know, but but it is a guy that seemed to. Je- the the thing about him is, I I think there are some athletes, and, and we know that will say the right thing and do the right thing, you know, in public. This guy's about the most pure th- out there, right? I mean, you saw that after they won the championship, he was he was physically bummed that there was going to be a parade. Right? I mean, and, and you don't see that. You you normally a player would be like, oh my God. Yeah. Hell, even if they, even if they didn't feel that way, they would say, man, I'm looking forward to it. Joker is just so pure. He's like a parade when I just, I just friggin' want to go home. You know, I mean, he is just so honest about everything. you love the guy brings his little daughter everywhere. She's the cutest thing in the world. So yeah, I think, I think he gets it. The, the turnout there was fantastic. And this is a city You know, that's that's had the Avalanche parade as well, not too long ago. Uh, So I I, I think he appreciated when you see all those fans show up, you understand, man, this, this not only means a lot to us as players and what we did on the court, but wow, does this mean a lot to this city.
0: Yeah, well, and again, I don't think he had ever seen a parade like this in this city. All of that success, none of that was stuff that I think he internalized or knew about, which is why he was so bummed because he probably thought that this was going to be some starchy thing and not, oh, I get to get drunk inside of what looked like a military vehicle there and hang out with a bunch of my shirtless teammates and Mike Malone, who seemed like he was the drunkest girl at the party. This was Mike Malone in front of the microphone. This guy has been a beauty cutting wrestling promos ever since this game ended. Is Brucey B going anywhere? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hey, we run this shit back. We run this back. Hell yeah. Come on. Get loud. Get loud. Get loud. Wow. You know, at most parties, like the goal is usually to not be the drunkest person. Like you don't want to wake up the next day and have a bunch of text messages from friends like, hey, are you good? Or I can't believe you said that or a bunch of missed calls from an ex. Michael Malone in a championship parade is the exception to that rule. He wanted to be the party starter and he succeeded in this one, dad. It's amazing. We should have not be surprised for a guy that was as indignant about the way they were covered that of course he would take this moment to peacock in front of the congregation
1: man he, he he let it go there ain't no doubt about that I don't know if he beat and I don't know if there has been a star as as much as the what you just said don't be that guy as Tom Brady was after Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl right when he was kind of wobbling and had to be helped you know and he's throwing the trophy around and stuff he he was that guy but it was Tom Brady so you didn't care Malone all of a sudden starting to talk. Every time he talked, I was just kind of going, oh, no. Be careful what you say because it it sounded like he was lit. There's no doubt about it. And the other thing I would like to start to happen is before the parade, before the the players address the crowd, or even, yeah, before it starts, on DraftKings Sportsbook, give odds on which players are going to do the entirety with their shirt off because it's just a matter of time, right, before you're taking your shirt off. You gotta have the bod for it. I've always said, if I had an upper body that was worth anything, I would never wear a shirt. And I don't, so I'll always have a shirt on. But I love how quickly these guys take their shirts off. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, championships all need uh, in the celebration certain elements represented. You had Michael Malone occupying that Tom Brady-esque role of the guy that was drunk and going to be the one that initiated conversation. You had Jokic as the guy who figured out what a party was and was happy to be there. Bruce Brown, the aforementioned Bruce Brown, who is the free agent coming up this summer, who, if I'm him and hearing that from Michael Malone, I'm stepping to the mic and saying, all right, Stan, cut the check and let's do this and really get some public negotiation going. But yeah, he occupied the role of shirtless guy. It was all there. It was all very perfect. And like you said, Denver shown they know how to celebrate a party. Dad, the biggest takeaway for me on this is it may have unlocked Nikola Jokic in a way that should scare people. Because before, like you said, this man is brutally honest that basketball is maybe not even the third or fourth most important thing in his life said as much in the interview with Malika Andrews that we saw, but now he's realized parade is fun drinking horses I'm sure there was probably a horse or two there he gets to drink beer with all his friends it's a thing he actually likes so before we said the biggest advantage you had in Denver was Nikola Jokic didn't care about forcing your hand to do anything because he only cares about basketball but so much but now he likes to party and so if you've given him a goal it's hey Nikola if you win these NBA championships you get to do this again now all of a sudden he may actually want this and that should scare the hell out of a lot of people involved that this my man might actually be motivated on the basketball Ball court now.
1: It's still amazing to me that a team that was so under, I don't know if underrated is the right word, under, under underviewed, under talked about, underwhelming to a lot of people. It's like, oh God, it's Denver that's going to be in this. And then looked so good and played so well that all of a sudden now, at least they are anyway throwing out around the word dynasty and the potential and they're already the favorites going into next year's um uh uh, season which isn't shocking right i mean it's it's not shocking they're they're the best team and with the best chance they already have their main pieces together now keep some of the the ancillary parts together as well what's to stop them from doing this a couple of more times you know they're they don't have any really, really of their main people as old players, so they could be around for a while. So we went from a team that kind of was an, un, un, didn't get talked about an awful lot in this in this way as the best team to now we may be the best team for a few years, and we may have a player that may be considered one of the great already's up there, the greatest big man of all
0: time. So they have really kind of flipped the script here. They had been loading so much of this for so long that this was really the last piece they needed for Nikola Jokic to get the legitimacy in certain conversations and now this team that had been knocking on the doorstep that was almost like what Toronto was for years in the East before Kawhi Leonard came over and helped them lift the trophy. But obviously the way they've done it here and the potential longevity is so different. You're absolutely right. So congratulations to Denver and Kansas City for pulling that off that was a ton of fun to watch but dad not nearly as chaotic and messy as what we got to watch last night team usa is giving us some piping hot tea and great mess in the world of international soccer for anyone that missed it this happened on a couple fronts yesterday first off dad i don't know if you saw this team usa beat team mexico in the concacaf nations league semifinal last night Tre acero it was an absolute washing. You had Christian Pulisic, Captain America, score two goals in this game. He looked unlocked in a way that Chelsea fans are deeply, deeply regretful of based on what's gone on there lately. But man, it was a great game. Team USA has now beaten or tied Mexico six straight matches. According to ESPN stats and info, it's their longest stretch ever. But dad, this game got ugly towards the end. And about the 80th minute, you had a Mexico player take a swipe at one of the legs of a Team USA player from behind. And that is when Weston McKenney cemented himself as an American hero, going in, shoving Team Mexico players over on their sideline, gets his jersey ripped. He's kissing the Team USA crest, looking at the crowd that's all throwing garbage at him. Dad, it was a deeply CONCACAF moment. This league has been kind of well-known for chaos like this. But I think this is the best of what Team USA soccer can be, Dad. I think ultimately our lot in the international stage, we're like the Kentucky football of the SEC. We can keep it interesting. We're going to get to a bowl game every once in a while. We'll overachieve a little bit. But for the most part, we're probably not going to challenge a bunch of these European squads and what they're built with and what they're walking into the party with. But we can go out here and be a really good time. And last night was a really good time, especially going against a rival south of the border from us.
1: Four red cards given out, two for each team. So two of those two players will miss the the finals game uh for us the one thing i'll say is when the world cup was the, the last men's world cup now the women's world cup we're so looking forward to because our women can be oh, so yeah. dominant the the men's world cup i mean a there's part of us is just happy they made it into the world cup right two world cups ago they weren't even in it last time this last one they're in it and every analyst that we had on talking about it kept pointing to 2026 saying that's our year, that's our year, that's when our young team is going to mature. They think our best chance, because I, I agree with your point, but there's part of me because there are soccer analysts out there who are saying, watch out for 2026, man. That could be USA. They, they could make, on the men's side, they could make some noise. So that is going to be an interesting one to me if they're able to do that. Because right now you just kind of like, Yeah, they're there. Like you said, they're there. Can they make a little bit of noise? But, you know, eventually they're going away. So and we keep we keep asking, you know, over my years at ESPN, what's going to bring, you know, U.S. soccer up? What's going to make them better? You know, you always hear from the youth, the way the youth youth leagues around the world are compared to the U.S. the youth leagues, the way some of our better athletes who play soccer at a young age go on to other sports as they get older. And what's going to make us better? So a lot is being put in 2026 and for that World Cup to see if we could raise our standards to the rest of the world.
0: But like you've been saying, we've been hearing that forever and telling everyone we can change our expectations. We can make this more fun. We have got the Alabama football soccer programs in our women's national, national team. We can watch them win the high-end stuff here. We can reset expectations and let this be fun. What a great niche. We can go in CONCACAF and raise hell in a rivalry that's really got some teeth to it like this with Mexico. We made a quarterfinal in the World Cup last year, and that was fun before we lost to the Netherlands. We can go and be Kentucky football in the SEC. Hey, every once in a while, you can gear up and you can make a cool run. And more often than not, you're going to be competitive. You'll have some cool rivalries and we can feel good about our lot in life. This can be fun like this.
1: Yeah, but you listen, we were players. You think Kentucky football players want to be characterized like that? They want to win. If you're a player, oh, yeah. you want to win. I'm not win, saying you know? the players don't yeah. want
0: to win. I'm not saying the program doesn't want to win. I'm saying we as fans can make ourselves a lot happier in this process by acknowledging that right now we are not playing the same sport in that way as some of those more powerful nations. Right, we aren't. But we'd love to be able to talk to smack if
1: we are. We can do that with the women, right? We, we can hold our head high with the women and say, our women are going to destroy your women. We'd like to say that about the men. I mean, I get what you're saying. But I, as a fan, I want more. I want U.S. to dominate in everything that we do. And right now, we're not doing it on the men's side. And I don't know when or if we ever will. But man, if we do, count me as a guy standing up on the on the, the highest fence talking a
0: whole lot of smack. Count me as the guy going out to buy a Weston McKenney jersey tomorrow. Sir, I salute you and your efforts from last night. That was awesome. eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources all right dad time to finish this thing off the way that we always do this that and the third three quick stories to get you on and send you off into your day as always make sure you download subscribe rate review leave us a five-star rating Let us know what more you want from the show. As we're getting ready, we're going to have football coming up soon. We're going to get into the summer division previews, college football previews, all the good stuff while we got baseball season rolling along too. So, as always, let us know what you want to hear. Dad, uh, let's get this thing started with... DeAndre Hopkins' watch. It seems to be the one concrete NFL headline that we have to hold on. And by concrete, I mean just unsettled accounting along with the running back problems. DeAndre Hopkins taking his visit over to New England to see Bill O'Brien, his old head coach from the Houston Texans, and see if there's anything there. But apparently left Tennessee with a financial offer from the Titans. And it's weird, Dad. We talked before about how much we thought – teams like Buffalo, teams like Kansas City if you wanted to go and be a winner, Cleveland with Deshaun Watson who he played with in Houston would all be part of the conversation, but it's really seemed to fall on Tennessee and New England. Do you think it's between these two teams for him ultimately?
1: Well, it seems so right now cuz I'm with you. You know, we it's obviously been very public his trips to Tennessee and New England, and it's also been very public there's been no trips to Buffalo or to Kansas City. Now, is that a because we ask, what is DeAndre Hopkins' motivation at this point? He's made a lot of money. He's been, uh, you know, the best or in the team picture, the best receivers in the league. He doesn't have a ring. So a lot of people just naturally go to assume that that's, that's where he wants to go. But if he still wants a lot of money, you know, I would imagine has, has Buffalo and Kansas City inquired to as his agent, hey, what kind of money area are we talking about? And it may be too rich for their blood for where they are. So, you know, and I'll be interested in the type of deal Hopkins signs. Does he sign a long-term deal or does he sign a short deal, go out and prove himself again on the field? Because he missed some games last year, obviously with with the suspension. Uh, But we know what a great receiver he is and then make some money. Because remember, we're past the free agency, the start of free agency where big money goes out. We're past the draft as well. So I don't know what kind of money there is right now. So if he signs a one-year deal, and has a good year, he could put himself in position to be part of free agency next year at the beginning of free agency when there is some money out there. So I'm not sure of his motivation right now, of what kind of a deal, if he's looking for one, two-year deal, what kind of guaranteed money, but it does seem to be down to Tennessee and New England.
0: Well, he seems to really just be going based off of people he's known before. Because when you look at the public visits or conversations we've heard talked about, Deshaun Watson, who he played with before, as his quarterback, Bill O'Brien, who was his head coach uh, in Houston, Mike Vrabel, who was also a part of those Texans team on defense, is a guy that he knew there. I'd say if you're looking between the Houston or the Tennessee situation and the New England situation, I'd probably side with the Patriots at this point, just because, man, if you think with a real offensive coordinator, you can get more of the remnants of rookie year Mac Jones that might be higher upside bet than whatever the, you know, last bit of Ryan Tannehill that's going to give way to Will Levis is going to be that would be hey do I want to potentially bet my financial future if it's short term on a rookie coming in I haven't seen throw the ball and Will Levis who we expect at some point to probably take over during the course of this season for a Tennessee offense that doesn't have a lot of other answers versus a coordinator you know a quarterback you've at least seen some proof of concept of and oh by the way in both teams defenses that you can really count on on the other side with New England's I being on the higher end of that last season.
1: Man, you, you, if you're the quarterback of either Tennessee or Mac Jones in New England, man, you have to be keeping your fingers crossed that you get that guy and you have a legitimate uh, number one to throw to because these are two teams that have not had big-time receivers, right? And, and catching the ball the last couple, I know A.J. Brown had been there, but he'd gone to Philly and had a monster year. And we know they're, they're basically on the Derrick Henry train there. Uh, so yeah, these are two teams starving for that big-time number one guy so Hopkins may another reason he may be setting himself up to go somewhere where he is going to be the guy you know he's going to get by far the most targets by far the most reception so we'll see how this ends up Uh, a good addition for either team no doubt about it
0: dad let's get to that um Rob Manfred has said a lot of things in recent days but one of them according to the Associated Press was that uh robot automatic umpires The automated ball strike system that's being used in AAA right now is not likely to see its way into the bigs in 2024. The robo-umps not getting to rise here, Skynet-style, and take over everything. Dad, he cited, and, and I think this is understandable and probably the right way to think about this, is while this is a change that people have campaigned loudly for for a while... You've had so much change already in the sport this year with the pitch clock and how all of that has gone, that throwing one more thing into the fire, see college football and how much change they have tried to absorb all at once, probably not going to be a thing easy for everyone to wrap their arms around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Too much change too quickly can really, you know, unsettle a lot of people. So they may take their time a little more on this. The pitch clock has done exactly what the league wanted it to do we've seen games go from three hours and five minutes to two hours and 38 minutes. And while, you know, when you look at it, technically that's what, 27 minutes? Doesn't seem like a long time, but it feels like a long time, doesn't it? It just feels like these baseball games are moving at such a better pace because they are. So I do like that, but that was a major, major change in baseball. So you're right. I don't know how quickly they want to do another change. Is this something you want to see? You want, I mean, because in, in officials in baseball, umpires in baseball, are the ones I can't stand their actions the most. They seem like they want to so be part of the show and be part of the storyline that it just, as a former player, you, you want them, you want officials to be see, unseen or, or, yeah, unseen and unheard. You just make the calls and you don't want to be part of anything. Yet these guys are.
0: Uh, dad, bit of breaking news here. We got to call an audible on the fly for the third. Shams uh, over at the Athletic and Stadium, Carnaria uh, just announced the NBA is suspending Grizzly star John Morant for 25 games. Sources tell the Athletic and Stadium there. So Adam Silver making good on his promise to wait till after the finals and the celebration. 25 games for John Morant here. Does that number seem right to you?
1: I'm stunned. I thought, considering it wasn't just the gun, you know, waving the gun on Instagram, that he had even said, we've uncovered more things, and there were more things the last time as well. I'm somewhat shocked. I thought it was going to be at least, at least half the year, if not a full year. So 25 games seems awfully light to me for a repeat offender and a guy who has had a list of things.
0: Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is we had heard rumors or I don't even know if these were reports or not, that John Morant had said or someone from his camp had said that it was a toy gun in the latest video and that might have been a mitigating factor in how this was looked at by the NBA or the league. And so 25 games was a number, I I had heard 17, I had heard 25 batted around. And listen, in an 82-game regular season, not an unsubstantial amount of games to be missed for the star of one team, Dad, I think always and we heard Adam Silver kind of insinuate this the last time he spoke publicly during the finals was this is going to be a lot more about how the NBA positions this as far as getting Ja Morant some consistent help in bettering himself. Clearly none of this is behavior of a person who I think overall is in his best sorts and so if the NBA if the NBA PA publicly positions what Ja is going to be doing during this time period as opposed to hey you're just going away for 25 games.
1: So, and, and we'll see, will the will the Players Association appeal this? I don't believe they did. Yeah. Because last time it was eight games, right? And it was basically that went with time served as well um, that, that he missed. So it is a jump up to 25 games. Again, I thought it would be more. And here's the other thing, Mike, and you know this. You could sit there and say he has to do this class or he has to do that class or he has to be part of this or he can't come back until he meets with this person ain't nothing going to change until John Morant wants to change it, right? Not a thing is going to change until he makes a decision that he is going to change his actions that are getting him into trouble. Whether he agrees with with it or not, he has to understand if he's going to play in this league, there are rules that he has to follow
0: that he has not. So the decision has to come from him. It does, but if you're the NBA and the Players Association, it's in your best interest to try and at least lead that horse to water and get him to drink if you can. We'll have plenty more on that coming up. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Go, go. Boom, money in the bank. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.